Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 129 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life and just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Um, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is a continuation, of course, uh, of the topic of the uh, the 10 major signs of the Day of Judgment. And, you know, last time we said when our Prophet wasallam told us that, you know, the Day of Judgment is not going to come until 10 major signs take place. Uh, now, the, the, what the Prophet never mentioned, that the, the chronological order of the signs. What we have, and we have an order, by the way, but this order is derived, you know, by the scholars from multiple hadith. Like, you know, they, they looked at the hadith, they looked at certain verses in the Quran, and they said, you know what? That makes sense that this is the first sign. That makes sense that this is the second sign. That makes sense that this is the, you know, the third sign, and so on and so forth. So they kind of, it was a speculated uh, kind of effort that they, they, they were basically speculating the order of the signs. But we do not have an explicit text regarding the exact order of the signs. But kind of when, when you study the signs, the order that the scholars kind of uh, presented uh, or, you know, uh, kind of speculated, it makes perfect sense. Now, the first sign, as you know, you guess from the title, is the Antichrist. The Dajjal. Now, the Antichrist, like I said m- m- multiple times before, it's it's okay to say the Antichrist. There's nothing wrong about it. You know, I know it's a biblical term, but we there's nothing against Islam when you say, you know, there's nothing un-Islamic about it when you say the Antichrist. Now, the Antichrist translates in, in our books into Dajjal. And the word Dajjal is simply, uh, it refers to someone who conceals the truth and covers it with falsehood. Uh, basically an imposter, someone who claims something that's, uh, you know, that's fake or, you know, untrue. Uh, so, and that's exactly what the Antichrist will do. The Antichrist will cl- claim certain things that are all lies, right? So that is the gel. The gel is, you want to call it an imposter. Someone who claims knowing something or ha- having the ability of something or being someone that they're actually not. Uh, now, so the gel, and actually in, in in Arabic, also in our in our books, in in Islamic books, we call him Al Masih al from the Sunnah, right? He is Al Masih al because I know there's a big misconception that certain uh, Muslims believe that he's called Al Masih al Now, the word Masih is never mentioned anywhere. Al Masih, and by the way, Masih translates into the Messiah in English, and and now you see the comparison because the Prophet told us that the al-masih the 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 actual jesus christ you know isa ibn maryam uh he is masihu al-masihu al-hidayah the the true messiah right he is the masihu al-hidayah he is the one who was guiding people to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he was sent as a prophet and a messenger 
Also, the Prophet ﷺ told us that the opposite of that is the Dajjal. The Dajjal is the false Messiah. And he's going to claim that he is the Messiah. We'll talk about that. But that's why he's named that. Now, his name is the Messiah, and we'll talk about why. Because the word Messiah in Arabic means something that's wiped. Masah, uh, or someone who yamsah. Yamsah means wipes. When you use wipes you, you and, and you wipe something off, well, whatever, your hand or off your face, that's Masaha in Arabic. Believe it or not, that's where... The, now, of course, the Masih is also coming from the anointed. The Masih or the Messiah means the anointed. So there are two meanings for the word Masih. The first one is the, the anointed, right? So we know that Jesus Christ was anointed by John the Baptist or Yahya, according to our, you know, the naming of, of uh, Prophet Yahya, alayhi salam, and his story is, is mentioned in Allah Imran and Maryam. So Prophet Yahya is the one who anointed Jesus Christ. However... The jail will be also anointed by disbelievers, by his followers, right? And uh, that basically is going to be clear when we talk about the story. So that is the first definition. The second definition of uh, al-Masih is someone who is, you know, the, the, the Prophet Isa, alayhi salam, used to wipe uh, on the blind and, you know, mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the blind will be cured and used to, he used to wipe. It's like that he had this wiping kind of attitude or uh, kind of move that he would do. And he would mention the name of Allah and people will be cured and so on and so forth. Now, when it comes to the jail, he will wipe earth. He will yamsa. He will wipe the entire planet walking. Not like he's going to destroy the entire planet. Well, it'll be a time of misery. Yeah. But he is just coming from Masaha, meaning he's going to wipe, meaning he's going to go everywhere on earth. And that is a fact. The Prophet ﷺ said, there is not a single place that the Dajjal or the Antichrist won't step foot into. The Dajjal is going to come across every single spot on earth, believe it or not. And it's, it's kind of freaky, but... You know, it is one of his uh, things that he will do when he emerges. So now, let's talk about that. Christians and Muslims, by the way, both believe in the idea of the Antichrist. However, we have two different, of course, views. There, the idea of the Antichrist exists in both Islam and Christianity. But of course, what happens after is completely different from, you know, an Islamic perspective, uh, you know, versus the Christian perspective. Also, the Jews, they do not believe in, in, in the Antichrist. However, the Prophet ﷺ told us something very interesting. He said that every single prophet was uh, sent to his people. Allah told them to warn their people uh, from the, the jail or the Antichrist. So every single prophet and messenger warned his people from the Antichrist. Now, we know that many religions were distorted, some facts. Well, we, all, we all know that. So that's why, alhamdulillah, we have the authentic true story of the Antichrist in our, uh, in our books. And that's what we will discuss today. Now, the Prophet ﷺ described the jail, and he said, uh, or the Antichrist. He said he will be a disbeliever. It's like to just give you like a, a high level definition of this guy. He's a, he's a human being, by the way. And he is a complete disbeliever. And he will claim that he is God. See, that's the word imposter, the jail. You know, he will claim that he is God. Okay, great. But now why would anyone believe him? Why? I mean, really, if some guy comes in 
and tells everybody, hey, everyone, I am God and you should worship me. Everybody's going to laugh if, if it happens now, right? Everybody's going to laugh. So why is that a big deal? Why are you guys making this whole antichrist a very serious thing? We're, we will clearly see that he's not God. Well, no, not really. Here's an interesting thing. And I want to draw a comparison between these two uh, situations. When you are, and we talked about this in the trial of the grave, if you guys remember from last season, when you are buried, you know, in your grave, and then the, the two angels, Munkar and Nakir, come to ask you the three questions. We all know the three questions, inshallah, by now. Who is your Lord? Uh, what is your religion? And what can you say about the man who was sent to you, aka your prophet or your messenger? And we all said that answering these questions is you kind of get a 10-year-old and he'll tell you or she will tell you a lot of detail with their answer. Like they will just answer in a lot of detail. So what, what's the big deal about the three questions? Yeah, of course we can answer them. And what did I say? It's not based on your basic knowledge. It's based on how you lived your life. It's based on your own theology. It's based on your own level of faith. Because these seem very, very easy. Like I said, you get a, as a matter of fact, you get a, even a younger than 10 years old, and they will answer the question, the three questions in a very, you know, detailed way. But adults, some may be, you know, knowledgeable people in the religion will not be able to answer that question, even though it looks very, you know, I mean, the three questions, even though they look very simple. Why? Because the level of faith, they did not have enough faith to be able to live with those questions and hence answering them in the grave. That is exactly the same situation when it comes to the Antichrist. He's going to say, I'm God and everybody right now, right now, all of us are saying, come on, come on. We know that a human being can be a God. I mean, you know, I know that Christians believe that Jesus uh, is God. And, uh, uh, you know, there are certain people who believe that God could manifest and be like a human being. Okay, no problem. But what about the Muslims? What about the people who know the truth? Even those people might fall into that temptation or that trap of him claiming he is God. And it's the same situation. It all depends on the level of faith. You know, the three questions sound ridiculous that people won't answer them. And this one too, it sounds ridiculous that people might believe he is God. And trust me, people will believe he is God. That's why he will have massive number of followers. Because most people will believe he is God. How? Let's talk about the how. Now, one thing that we need to understand is that the Prophet ﷺ said that after his death, an authentic hadith, after his death, there will be 30 Dajjals. There will be 30 imposters, right? People who will claim either prophethood or divinity. And, and basically most of the people that he talked to, like he, he, he predicted, already claimed prophethood. None of them claim divinity. And, and if, if, if that happened, people, you know, never took him seriously. So the Prophet said, there will be 30 Dajjals, 30 imposters that will come after me. 29 of them are not significant. But the last one, the 30th, number 30, 
that's a massive one, which is the Antichrist. So the last imposter, the last Dajjal will be the one who will be truly significant. He will affect all of mankind. Okay. Also, the Prophet ﷺ called him the greatest creation since the creation of Adam. Peace be upon him. Now, that's not in a good way, in a very negative way. Like exactly the person, by the way, the word great, I, I want you guys to understand this uh, in, 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 in an Arabic term. Like when the Prophet ﷺ called the Armageddon, right? The, the last war on earth. What did he call it? Al-Malhamatul Kubra, the great war or the greatest war. That was not a compliment. It was just in terms of massive. So when we say great in, 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 in certain things, great is, is, is massive, right? And uh, the Prophet ﷺ usually used it in a massive kind of when he is describing something in a massive scale, of a massive scale. So the Prophet ﷺ is saying he will be the greatest creation since the creation of Adam. Not in a good way. The same way that the great, the greatest war was not meant to be great in a good way, right? So the greatest, uh, he will be the greatest creation since the creation of Adam, because he will affect all of mankind, basically, uh, in a negative way. Again, those who will live during his time, and the Prophet also called him the greatest trial for mankind. He is the greatest trial for mankind. He is the greatest test. He's Allah's greatest trial for all of mankind. Remember, Allah tells us that this life is nothing but tests. Allah wants to test our faith. Allah wants to test our belief, our patience, all of these things. Because again, life was not meant for us to have fun. Life is meant for us to struggle. And with faith, we will accept that struggle until we get to, inshallah, paradise. So, and, and you see all the trials and tribulations in this world, you know, all the tests that Allah is giving us, you know, the natural disasters, all these things, all of that crazy stuff, right? They're all nothing compared to the Antichrist. The Prophet literally said, he is the greatest single trial for mankind, the biggest one, and nothing will exceed it in terms of like, again, massive, massiveness and scale. He will be something Big. Again, he's just a normal human being. But what Allah will give him or will allow him to have will make him a very unique and again, not in a good way, in a very, he is, if you want to call it, you know, the, the, the big baddie of, of this existence. Like for those who are waiting for, you know, who is the next big villain in, in a Marvel uh, comic book or in a Marvel movie or whatever? Who is the next big baddie, right? Who is the next biggest? Who is the next Thanos? Well, guess what? And I'm not trying to make jokes seriously. This guy that we're talking about here, he is the second greatest villain of existence. Because the first villain is, is Satan. The first one, the biggest one is Satan. However, Satan we cannot see. We cannot see Satan. So, if you, in terms of technicality, the most vicious villain that we can see and interact with is this guy, the Antichrist, the Jail. He is truly the most significant, again, like the Prophet, the most, the greatest creation since the creation of Adam. And in terms of like, he is something big. Now, what makes him so scary or so, you know? Now, first of all, he's 
he is a human being. Because I, I, I know there, there are certain misconceptions that he's not a human being. No, he is a human being. But he will, Allah will give him abilities. And yeah, talking of superpowers, Allah will literally give him abilities, superpowers. And plus he will be helped by the evil jinn, the shayateen, the devils. Allah will allow that too. So two things. Allah will give him on his own superpowers. He's going to do certain things that are, wallahi, superpowers. And he will get the help of the evil jinn, the devils, the shayateen. Because this is Allah, literally, this is Allah's greatest trial for mankind. So this has to be significant. This has to be big. Now, we also mentioned in the last episode uh, that before the jail or before the signs beginning in the first place, there will be three years of drought. Three years of drought. And people will, you know, suffer and struggle. And we mentioned this whole story, right? Now, when the jail emerges, he will have solutions to all the problems in the world. Ready? He will command the sky to rain and it will rain. He will command earth to produce like vegetables and vegetations. It will produce. People will be desperate. They need hope. They need rain. Now you guys know why Allah will cause drought and hunger for three years for this moment. That's the true toughest test for mankind. Or whoever will be alive then. Believing him won't be that difficult. You see now? Believing him that he is God won't be that crazy of an idea. It won't be. Won't be that crazy of a claim. Yeah, we we can see. He commanded the, the sky to rain and it's now raining. He commanded earth to, you know, produce uh, vegetables and, and fruits. And it's that's what's happening. He is God. Right? Now, the Prophet ﷺ told us something very, very, very interesting. He said that if the jail shows up in your town, leave. Even if you think you are the best believer on earth. Again, let me repeat that. The Prophet ﷺ commanded the Muslims, the believers, if you hear that Jajjal or Antichrist is in your town, heading your way, pack up and leave. Leave. You cannot face him. You cannot confront him. Even if you are one of the top believers at your, you know, in your time, you cannot face Dajjal. You cannot face the Antichrist. Okay? So that is a direct command from the Prophet ﷺ. Because some people, some people will say, we, we, we have strong, we know, we know that, we know who Allah is, don't worry about it. And then they'll go and they'll think, they'll think that they can beat the jail or they can, you know, stand against him and they will end up converting and becoming from his army or from his crowd basically his his followers yeah i'm talking about believers here so when the prophet says something as believers we have to listen because he knows what we do not know because allah told them certain things that 
we never knew about, right? And we don't know about. And of course, we know that when the Prophet commands us something, it is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But anyway, so that is, if we ever, and may Allah not make us from the people who will witness such time. But if, again, if it happens to be that we live in the time of the Antichrist, if you hear that he's coming your way, leave immediately and just travel somewhere else. Now, let's talk about his physical description. The Prophet ﷺ, when he mentioned that all the prophets and the messengers warned their people from the jail, from the Antichrist, he said, I'm about to tell you something that they didn't know about. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet ﷺ, again, and it makes sense why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give the Prophet ﷺ an extra piece of information about the Antichrist because we are the nation that will face the Antichrist. Makes perfect sense, by the way. So every prophet warned his people about the Antichrist. Okay. But the only nation that will have to face the Antichrist is the final nation on earth, which is the Muslims, with the true religion of Islam, right? So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave an extra piece of knowledge to the Prophet ﷺ to tell us, which is, number one, he will be a'war, meaning that that's a word in Arabic, which means he will be one-eyed. He will have one eye. Now, he's not Cyclops because uh, I've, <laughs> I've seen people, you know, reimagining or depicting uh, the Antichrist that he has. He's like Cyclops. He has one eye in the middle. That's not true. He looks like a human being. He's just going to have uh, an eye that's completely damaged uh, and uh, an eye that's basically working. So he's going to look normal. He's just going to have a completely. And the Prophet was even more specific. His eye will that that like damaged eye will look like a floating grape. Look at that description. So his eye, his damaged eye will look like a floating grape, like a piece of grape that's rotten grape that it's just floating. He, it will look, he will look hideous. And yet many people will believe his claims. But he will look hideous and Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will make that do that on purpose. He will make him deformed on purpose. But people, and this has a huge commentary on us as human beings. We don't look deep enough into other people's, you know, actions and, and what they're representing. But when they do some glamorous stuff, we get distracted by all the spectacle. That's basically what it is. It's a spectacle. You know, he's, he, he commands the, 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 the sky to rain. Oh, wow. Look at that. He not he must be not a human being. Oh, he commands earth to you know produce vegetables. Oh no no he is God. Come on, no human being can command. They don't look beyond that, beyond the theatricals. That is actually a true test for the mindset of mankind. You know, when someone with a damaged eye, a damaged eye, he will be deformed, and nobody will think for a second and say, God is deformed God who creates perfect people with perfect eyes his eyes can't operate you know what I mean do you see like how insane this idea is that Allah will make clear signs because Allah at the end of the day Allah will give signs same thing as Islam by the way think about it this way when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Islam to everyone there are clear signs that this is the religion of truth. This is the true religion that's lasting on earth. This is religion coming from God. Clear messages. 
But people look at different things. And that is, wallahi, such a profound comparison. Such a profound comparison between our world right now and the world when the, the Antichrist will show up. It's the same. They look up beyond, oh, there is no dating. Oh, Islam, they do weird, odd stuff. Oh, there is no, you know, alcohol drinking. Oh, there is no this. They, you can, you can't, no, no, I, I can't. Like, they're backwards. Oh, their women are covered. They're, and people look at that, but they ignore to notice the complete obvious signs that this is a true religion from God. And they just want to look at the appearance of the religion. That's, it's, it's the theatricals. Again, it's what it appears to be, right? It's the glamorousness of the religion, which they don't find in Islam. So they reject it. And many people, mashallah, are seeing the truth. But I'm talking about those who are not, which is the majority of mankind. Same thing when it comes to the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be clearly a deformed human being. As a matter of fact, one of his descriptions, he's, he's going to be short. And this is not a stab at short people. Uh, don't get me wrong. But again, we're talking about someone who's claiming he's God. A short human being, and he's going to have a crooked legs. He will walk in a crooked way. Can you imagine? Like imagine if Oswald Coppelpot is claiming to be God. For those of you who don't know who's Oswald Coppelpot, it's the penguin from the you know Batman comics and the Batman movies. You know, the penguin, you know how he walks? You know how he looks? Like sometimes actually he has one eye. Like sometimes he has a damaged eye and he puts a patch on it. That's Oswald Coppola. Imagine if this character, you know, walks around saying, I'm God, I'm God. And people, the majority of mankind will follow him. Imagine that. Allah made him that way for a reason, for a purpose. But many people won't even look at that. And they will say, yeah, God could be deformed. You know, what makes people now say that God is non-binary, so I can be non-binary, remember? This is, is a topic of debate now online, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And that shows you, this is, wallahi, the era that we're living in right now shows you how many people are truly willing to accept the Antichrist as God. And also, let's be honest, our dear brothers in humanity, our Christian brothers in humanity, they believe that God could be a human being, no problem. And he could be tortured and he could be you know, punished and, and, and he could receive pain. That is their depiction of God. So it's not that crazy to think that, yeah, God could be a man. Yeah, a little look, looks a little odd. No problem. But, he, you know, he could be a human being. It's not preposterous of an idea. So yeah, so just to show you, it's 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 Allah Subhanallah. It's insane, and 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 again, it is a very tough, uh, uh, tough test that even the believers who believe that they can come against the jet, even though we know that he cannot be God, he will do enough to persuade believers and turn them against. And by the way, there will be followers, and we're gonna get to the numbers of followers and all these things in a second. But he will have followers from the Muslim communities. Now, uh, one of another, you know, so we said he uh, he will have a deformed eye. He will have uh, he will be short. He will be, and again, this is not a stab about Caucasian people, but he will be Caucasian. The Prophet said he will look reddish. And by the way, whenever the Prophet said 
uh, or uh, basically claimed that people looked red or they were reddish in skin, he meant Caucasians in our standards. Now he meant the white people, basically. He will look white, and that doesn't mean he's he's going to come from Iran, by the way. Now he's going to have curly hair. Look at the the description. It's like a vivid description of his uh, physical appearance. Uh, and uh, he will have a broad chest. He will have a broad uh, chest. And uh, one of the things that he will actually also uh, have no children. He won't be able to have children. He will be able to have children. Uh, and that's a piece of information for us. If you see someone that you're suspecting they are the jail or they are the Antichrist, but then they see that they have children of their own, then yeah, that's that's not the case. They're not the Antichrist. Now he will emerge from uh, the from an eastern land called Khorasan. This is by the way, Khorasan is in uh, Iran. So he will emerge from a place called a region called Khorasan, and this place is in Iran. From a city specifically called Asfahan uh, or Isfahan. If you look it up, these cities exist. By the way, Khorasan. Of course, we know Iran and the city of Isfahan or Asfahan is, is there. Now, his followers will start. So he will pile up followers from there, by the way, from Iran, from Iran. It's not like he's going to start alone and then, no, no. Well, he, he will start with a group of followers and then his followers will increase because like we said, he will go to every spot on earth. He will wipe all over earth in terms of like he will go through every single town and city in this world now there is a very interesting description of his followers that most of his followers at least from that region from that region from the region of of Khorasan or from you know Asfahan they will have flat faces they will have flat faces it's a very interesting and there was no elaboration on that except for one thing that his followers, or again, from that, the, 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 if you want to call them the startup followers, the, the, the initial followers, will have flat faces. And as we know, that means they're, they won't be Arabs because Arabs, we have pointy faces as Arabs. So again, it was a very interesting uh, uh, description. But again, it was not like the Prophet did not elaborate what, did that, what does that mean. Uh, but they ha- will have flat faces. Now, here is the interesting part. He will start, he will start uh, uh, his, want to call it dynasty or his reign, his, his kingdom, whatever you want to call it, with 70,000 followers. And they will all be from the Jews of Asfahan. Again, his main followers will be 70,000 from the Jews of Asfahan. By the way, we know that Iran has a lot of Jewish uh, community there. There's a lot of Jews in, in, in Iran or Iran. So he, his followers will be 70,000 from, from the Jews there. Uh, here's something very, very interesting. Actually, a couple of few interesting things. Number one, that's not to say and I mentioned this before, that, that oh, you Muslims have something against Jews, and that's why in their books it shows that we are the bad guys. That is very inaccurate and very just simply not true because, like I said before, in our books, Jews are the second largest nation to enter paradise. 
This is according to our Prophet ﷺ. But those who followed Moses, okay, those who were truly believers, who will, who believed in that Moses is uh, the messenger of Allah, and they worshipped Allah subhanahu wa taala, and they obeyed the commands of Allah. Those will. This is a. By the way, do not underestimate this. This is a huge crowd. It's a lot of people, mashallah. The first, the, the, the biggest nation to enter paradise, inshallah, will be the Muslims, followed by the Jews as the second biggest nation. And this is in a very explicit hadith that on the day of judgment, the Prophet will be standing in the land of gathering, and he's going to see a huge dark spot in the land of gathering, which indicates a, a large gathering of people, a large number of people. And he will get so happy and he will say, my nation, I, this is, I see a lot of people there and I can tell these, this is, this, these are the Muslims, they will enter Jannah with me inshallah. But then Angel Jibreel will come down and will say, no, those are not your people. Those are the people of Moses, the Jews basically. Those are the people of Moses, they shall enter Jannah and they shall be the second largest nation to enter Jannah. But look that way, and then Angel Jibreel will point at uh, a specific spot. Those are your people. And when the Prophet looks where you know Angel Jibreel is pointing, he will see that the gathering that the Angel Jibreel is talking about have blocked the horizon. It's just massive. Alhamdulillah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who will enter Jannah. But again, so this, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a fact. This is going to happen in the future. 70,000 of the Jews of Isfahan will follow the Antichrist. Now, here's something very interesting. Now, why would his the the majority of his followers be from, you know, the the Jews? Now, the Jews, from the Islamic perspective, they try to force God to change Jesus Christ. This whole that was the whole idea of the crucifixion. You know, when, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him a prophet who is talking about peace, who is not, you know, he, he say if somebody, you know, slaps your face, give him the other cheek and, and all these things, right? It's all about mercy, all about forgiveness. They expected when Allah was about to, they knew that there was someone coming from Allah, right? In their books. They had that prediction. However, when Allah sent him uh, Prophet Isa alayhi salam, Jesus Christ, they were expecting someone like Moses, uh, a fighter. Right, someone with a staff that you know can he can just hit it and it will split the Red Sea. Someone like that, a, a warrior. But then when they saw Jesus Christ, they were like not satisfied, and that's why when they tried to make the Roman and he was telling them things that they didn't want to do. So basically, they tried to plot against Jesus Christ, uh, hoping that God would send uh, you know someone else. Uh, uh, who is more powerful? Astaghfirullah. Like they thought they could force Allah's. And by the way, there is a book called Forcing the Hand of God by Jackie Reem. And it's basically tells you the story that I'm telling you how the Jews tried to force the hand of God and try to basically force Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, we know no one can force Allah to do anything. But they thinking, oh, if we get rid of Jesus Christ, you're going to send us someone who's more powerful, right? And basically to them, the idea of a leader is someone who is powerful. They're obsessed with power. And again, not all of them, some of them, uh, and many of them in the future, that, that will be the case for them. And that's why when you know he comes in and he starts doing some crazy stuff, like I said, he, in, in a time of drought, in a time of hunger, 
he will offer food and he will offer rain and he's going to offer vegetables and, you know, plantations and all these things. So they will easily believe that he is God. By the way, in the beginning, and this is something that's not mentioned a lot, but it is authentic. The Prophet mentioned it in numerous hadith that he will claim uh, that he is the Messiah first. He will basically say that I'm the Messiah and I'm coming back, I'm returning, you know, and that's part of the reason why he's also called the Messiah, but he's the false Messiah as we know. And then later on when he's going to gather enough crowd, he's going to start claiming divinity. He's going to say, well, I am uh, God. I am your Lord and you shall be, you know, uh, you shall be my, my servants. You shall worship me. Now, the second largest nation to follow him will be Christians, of course, because they are already accustomed to the idea that God could be manifested in a human flesh, could just have superpowers, and here you go, you have God. And that is why it was essential for me to define who is God, you know, a few episodes ago. That is why. Because we need to know that according to Islam, this is God. What we, you know, the definition that we gave to God, that he can't be a human being. He can't be, the, he can't have defects. He can't be deformed. Allah is above all of that. But again, unfortunately, a lot of people in today's world, they have the wrong definition of God, right? They have the wrong definition of God. And that's why it will be easier for them to accept the fact that the Antichrist is God because of, you know, the idea or the notion that they have even currently now. So uh, so that will be now the third na- uh, largest nation, which is the least amount of people that will follow him will, of course, be from the Muslims. And again, Muslims, you have a lot of Muslims who are not practicing, who are even ashamed that they are Muslims, who don't want to practice their Islam, who think that Islam is too much. So rest assured, those people will follow him as well. It's, their Islam won't save them, by the way. Their Islam is not going to save them. However, the believers of the Muslims... Those are the true ones who will be saved. And basically, they will be saved by leaving, by listening to the commands of the Prophet and by leaving. One of the other things is that uh, the Antichrist will emerge due to an extreme anger. He will be extremely angry. Okay, he will be extremely angry. Something will happen that will cause him to be extremely angry, which is basically that Islam will thrive. Many non-Muslims are now, and inshallah, it will even be more, that they will be embracing Islam. Islam will become hope for everybody else, right? And when Islam becomes the pinnacle of religion, that you know, this is the religion that everybody is now believing that it's the truth, that will cause the Antichrist to be extremely angry, and he will emerge due to that anger. This is an authentic hadith by the Prophet Now, there is a very interesting story in, in our history, in Islamic history, and a very controversial one, as a matter of fact, regarding the Antichrist. And uh, I want you to take some of the things that I told you about the Antichrist. For example, that he will uh, emerge from Khurasan, right? He will have the main followers as Jewish people, and that he will be in direct contact with the evil jinn, right? That's how he's going to have certain supernatural things. And we'll discuss that later on. But yeah, he will be in contact with the jinn. He uh, will emerge from Khurasan, and he basically will be helped by the majority of the Jewish people at the time. Now, 
there was a man by the name of Ibn Sayyad. This is a very famous story in Islamic history. And I'm going to tell you why it's controversial. I mean, not controversial in a bad way. It's just a very interesting mystery, if you want to call it. They heard about someone called Ibn Sayyad. Now, he was Jewish, right? He was Jewish in Medina. And they heard stories that he is in contact with the jinn. So one time, the Prophet وسلم, and Umar ibn al-Khattab, they were walking by and they met him. They met Ibn Sayyid at a younger age. Then the Prophet وسلم, wanted to, now everybody heard those rumors, so the Prophet وسلم, wanted to verify. So he said, do you testify that I am the messenger of Allah or the final messenger of Allah? So look at what Ibn Sayyid said. He said, I testify that you are the messenger of the illiterate. Then he asked him, Ibn Sayyid asked the Prophet do you testify that I am a messenger of Allah as well? To which our Prophet said, A'udhu Billah, I only believe in Allah and his true messenger and obviously that is not you. Then, you know, they parted ways, they left. Then later on, certain verses came down to the Prophet وسلم, as they usually do. So the Prophet wanted again to test Ibn Sayyid. So he asked the companions, Go and ask Ibn Sayyid if he knows about those verses. There was he, the Prophet wanted to verify something. So the companions went and they asked Ibn Sayyid, Hey, Ibn Sayyid, there were new verses that came to the Prophet. Do you know them? Ibn Sayyid said the first couple of letters or words correctly, but then he stuttered later on. So he couldn't get them all right. He Just the first couple of words. And that was basically an indication that he was indeed in contact with the jinn. Remember, the jinn sometimes used to steal things before they come down to earth or they like eavesdrop. But then when they would get to the first heaven, like we said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send a, a shooting star that will basically burn them. So they don't get enough information anymore. But the Prophet that was basically a verification that this guy, Ibn Sayyid, is indeed in contact with the jinn. But of course, the jinn do not have or possess full knowledge. And that's why, again, it's a, some sort of a falsehood within the truth, right? And yeah, so that was that. Now, some might say, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not inform the Prophet ﷺ who that guy was? Like, why did the Prophet ﷺ have to make some tests? Remember, Allah doesn't work like that, right? You do certain things on your own, Allah will help you when Allah wants to help you. Just don't forget that rule, right? Uh, now, uh, so the, the Prophet ﷺ, the Umar ibn Khattab, as usual, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, you know what, O Prophet of Allah, let me kill this guy. This guy is being contacting the jinn. And this is, the, by the way, the contacting the jinn is an act of disbelief, but he was not even a Muslim anyway, right? He was Jewish. And this guy is like, you know, trying to operate with the jinn against the Muslim. Of course, no jinn can harm the Prophet ﷺ because Allah is protecting him. Now, at this time, the rumors started circulating that this guy is the jet. He is the Antichrist. And of course, the Prophet ﷺ was, uh, you know, not saying, no, he's not. But at the same time, he's not. he was not saying, oh, no, that is the Antichrist. Because the Prophet ﷺ simply didn't know. Okay? So now, people started talking. Is this the jet? Is he? Is Ibn Sayyad the little, the Antichrist? Is he going to be the one? Now, of course, some might ask, wait, wait, wait a second. 
But isn't the Prophet didn't he isn't he the one who told us that he will come towards the end of time after Al Mahdi? So how come certain people believe that he is the Antichrist during the time of the Prophet? You guys get the question. Like the Prophet told us that okay, the Jal will come and emerge after Al Mahdi. After the whole idea of the Armageddon, the the that's how we get the, the information. So the Prophet clearly told the companions that the uh, Antichrist will be towards the end of time, before the Day of Judgment. So why would they even think that it's someone who's living with them at their time, fifty almost fifteen hundred years ago? Why would what would such rumors spread? I'm gonna keep that till the end of the episode because I wanna I wanna keep you guys on your toes. There's a reason why the companions believed that the Antichrist lived among them. Now, the Prophet ﷺ did not, again, like I said, he did not confirm that because he didn't simply know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not tell him anything, so he didn't know. But then later on, and so basically now responding back to Umar ibn al-Khattab, and Umar al-Khattab is saying, like, let's, sh- let's, I want to kill him. Like, let's get rid of this evil entity or whatever. So the Prophet ﷺ said a very logical response. He said what? He said, Hey, by the way, if this is the true Antichrist, is he? if he is the true Dajjal, you won't be able to kill him. Someone else will in the future, not now. Again, I'm going to keep that to later. Someone else will kill the Antichrist. Someone else will kill Dajjal, not you, Omar ibn al-Khattab. So it's not going to work. And if he's a false Dajjal, if he's not the Dajjal, if he's not the Antichrist, if he's just some imposter, then killing him, why? What would it do? It's not going to change anything, right? So the Prophet was very logical about it, and he said it just doesn't make any sense. We don't know if he's the real threat, so you can't be able, you know, you won't be able to kill him. It's not you who was meant to kill him. And of course, at this moment, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet everything about the end of the jail and how the, his era is going to end and everything. That's why he was very certain, not you. And again, we're going to say who and talk about the, the circumstances, inshallah, in the future when we come to the conclusion. But for now, yeah, Umar ibn Khattab was not going to be the one to kill the jail. And again, I know I'm going to answer that question. How on earth would they think that the Antichrist is living among them when they know that he will come towards the end of time? I'll answer that at the end of this episode, inshallah. So anyway, also later on, Ibn Sayyad became a Muslim. He became a Muslim. He's now a companion, an official companion. Because he met the Prophet ﷺ, he talked to the Prophet ﷺ, and he was a Muslim. He was a companion. So, okay, that makes it a little complicated now. Because the Prophet ﷺ, when he described uh, the jail the or the Antichrist, what did he say? He will be a disbeliever, but then... Again, the companions are like, but is he truly a believer? Is he pretending? You know, we don't know. And it kept them on edge. Wallahi, it was a very interesting, and that's the controversy, right? Like, they don't know. Is this guy for real or what's going on? Then the Prophet ﷺ, of course, later on passed away. And even after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, began again, he did not confirm anything. The Prophet ﷺ didn't have any knowledge regarding Ibn Sayyid. The companions were not mean to him, they were not bullying him, but they were distancing themselves from him. They were distant from him. Okay, so, okay, because the companions knew very well, they cannot be bullies or mean to someone that they didn't verify yet that he was the greatest villain of all time. And they basically uh, used to not like him. Like, they didn't like 
talking to him and dealing with him, right? Uh, now, one time during Hajj time, after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, we have a very famous companion by the name of Abu Sa'id al-Khuduri. And he's a very famous companion. He narrated hadith a lot. Now, him and Abu Sa'id were basically in the same caravan heading to Hajj. And uh, the caravan stopped so people, you know, could rest before, you know, they reach the Kaaba. So, of course, everyone in the caravan started distancing themselves from uh, uh, Ibn Sayyid. So they started, you know, like camping far away from him, sitting far away from him. So Abu Sa'id basically said, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, and this is, by the way, narrated by Abu Sa'id himself, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. He said, hey, do you want to just sit? All the way there. Again, they're not trying to be mean to him. They're just worried that this might be the gel. Imagine you're like sitting next to the gel, basically, in the making, right? Someone who will in the future wreak havoc and destroy the world and do crazy things and, you know, become allies with the jinn, the evil jinn, the shayateen. Of course, you don't feel good about it, right? And the rumors that like has spread so wide because of what he did. By, by the way, he used to communicate with the jinn. He used to communicate with the jinn. Do you guys understand that? Like he did that to himself. He was not supposed to communicate with the jinn and used to say certain things that made it, you know, kind of uh, fit the profile. So anyway, uh, so Abu Sayyid said, hey, you want to go sit down there, you know, while they were resting? So Ibn Sayyid got the message and then he sat there. But then later on, you know, uh, he came and, and sat next to him next to Abu Sa'id. So Ibn Sayyid came back to Abu Sa'id and sat next to him and he said this. He said, it pains me what the, our companions are saying about me and claiming about me. Then he started stating very logical facts. He said, first of all, the Prophet ﷺ said that the Jal will not have children. And I have children of my own. It doesn't make sense that I am the Antichrist. It doesn't make sense that I am the Jal. Okay. Then he started, again, showing, like, because he physical description-wise, he did fit the profile, you know? But he was mentioning a lot of things, right? Like, he was, uh, like, they actually used to say that when he got angry, his face would turn very red and he would be scared. Like, is this the time that he will, you know, emerge? And yeah, like it was very, there was a lot of situations with Ibn Sayyid that made the companions truly believe. Again, they were not bullying him. They were just truly believe that he will be uh, the jail. But then he started, you know, saying certain things like, I, I don't have, ch I have children of my own. So Abu Sa'id said that I started feeling bad for him. Like I started seeing his point of view. You know, I, I feel bad. And just when Abu Sa'id felt really bad for him and he was about to be like, you know what, you're right. He goes, Ibn Sayyid goes, I swear by Allah that I know who the Dajjal will be and uh, I know his parents and where he is right now. And of course, Abu Sa'id looked at him and he said, you know what, man? Never mind. I don't feel bad for you. Go sit far away from me. And that is a true story that this is literally, he was about to like be like, you know what? You're right. You're right. We were like, we were supposed to have more, you know, more of a compassion and, and, and sympathy and so forth. But then when he said that, he's like, you know what? You're creeping me out again. Nope. I'm good. Now here's the interesting part. And that's what, what, what basically solidifies the, the, the controversy. 
Ibn Sayyad disappeared completely. He went off the grid, off the map. He's, he's not to be found anywhere. And no one knows what happened to him. And his literally, his character caused a great controversy among scholars. Was he the jail or it was just a, it was just a coincidence? They were like, well, what is this character? This guy who just disappeared, like, what was he? Now, the majority of the scholars, they agreed that the most accurate conclusion that Ibn Sayyad was a minor Dajjal. He was one of the insignificant ones, not the main Dajjal. You know? So, that is the story of Ibn Sayyad. Now, why would the companions, and I'm going to conclude with that, why would the companions believe that Ibn Sayyad might be the Antichrist when he lived in their lifetime and they know that the Antichrist will come towards the end of time. Why would they think that? For one simple reason. The Antichrist is alive right now. He exists in our time. He is alive as we are here right now. And uh, he exists on an island, shackled, and he will break out of his shackles once he get that extreme anger, which will happen in the future. So now, to them, Ibn Sayyad could have easily been, yeah, he is the jet, but then when he disappeared, yeah, he disappeared and he will emerge one day. Do you get it? Why it's plausible? Because he... He always existed during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Now that brings the question: How? Why? Wait, what? Like, is he immortal? Like, he doesn't age? What's going on? Is he old now? What? What? What's? What's the situation? Inshallah, we will discuss this in the the next episode, and we will tell the story of the island of Al Dajjal or the island of the Antichrist, and what happened there. And the hadith that happened, that, that followed, and the controversy of the hadith and why some scholars, very minor number of scholars have a, have a problem with the hadith and even responding to that. We will know all about the, the origins or where is the Antichrist right now. We will know that inshallah in the next episode. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.